Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I don't like blood and guts, but I love them when they lengthily discuss. Ghost, boo! <laughs> We're ghosting. Three, boo! Ah, no. And ghosting. Oh, welcome to with Gorley and Rust. My name is Matt Gorley. I'm Paul Rust. Hello, Matt. Hello, Paul. You guys are listening to with Gorley and Rust. It's a podcast where we just take a take a seat back, sit back, seat back, stand back. We take a. Um, this podcast is over. Because I've told you before, I love it when you uh, go to a movie theater uh-huh. and, and uh, like at the Arclight, they'd have somebody introduce the oh, movie yeah. and they go, so sit back, relax, enjoy the movie. And yeah. I'd always go, yes, that's what this is for. I forgot. Like I'd get yeah. so caught up in getting snacks there on time. And then when that person gave oh, permission, gives permission to sit back and relax. <laughs> that's the key. So that's what I was trying to say, like the podcast that gives you to permission to sit back and relax. Absolutely. This podcast, you can just lie on a couch and listen to it. Or if you want to do dishes or commute mm. or even work or exercise. Mm. But you What's don't your favorite have to. thing to do when you listen to a podcast, Matt? I think I like driving and listening to podcasts because mm. I do like driving, especially mm-hmm. long distances for mm-hmm. some reason. And, and, I, I think I drive better when I'm not concentrating on driving. So a podcast is the perfect thing. However, I need to have a podcast to go to the gym. <laughs> Music <laughs> doesn't do it for oh, me. Oh, really? I have to trick my brain into not thinking about the misery that I'm experiencing at a gym. Yeah, and so music is kind of like, you're being reminded of like, well, the music's playing because I'm supposed to be keeping my butt. Mm-hmm. Like, But if you hear somebody talking, you can just kind of be like thinking about whatever notions they're bringing yeah. up and then you're like hey I didn't even, I forgot I was just doing eight reps I forgot I'm yoked <laughs> what about you when do you how do you do how do you um, listen I really enjoy listening to a podcast when um, well you know I like to do my collages so that's a fun that's, time to oh, listen to a, a good podcast one. yeah um, and that would be also a time when I'd listen to commentaries mm. if I didn't burn oh. them all up I've listened to every commentary on earth Wow. Uh, but uh, the uh, 
The other time I like to do it is um, in the morning, getting things kind of set yeah. up, mm. opening windows, letting the mm. sun in, getting everything kind of ready nice. like that. And then when day becomes night, the ritual of kind of going around and I become my own little like DP, uh, like my own little cinematographer oh, at night where when the lights go down, I find little, uh, this is a, an annoying. My wife and daughter, they like this. They like the, they'll come oh, in yeah. and be like, Hey, can you get the, and like, same yeah, the, here. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I've ensured that every, pretty much every light bulb in this house is controllable from a phone and color and like, hue and temperature so at night it's always like an amber glow in the house yes it makes a big big difference because the amber glow is important because dim light can be scary some can make you feel a little weird so you got to make sure the dim light is the appropriate yeah except then you also don't want like bright white or blue light you know, because that's no. miserable. But here, for the live streamers, even in this room that we're in, um, we ooh, can, I love this. We can change the. Uh, let's see. Ooh, this is like what we heard about John Alcott on a Terror Train. Remember, he had all the lights set on a dim. Whoa! Did a, you live streamers, screamers, see this? This is you can't probably tell, but it went red in here. This is called Halloween. I, now, Matt, mention what the live stream is. Mention what this podcast right. does. So if people wanted to see the lights turn red, <laughs> yes, that's what a could good they point. do? This is an entree into Oh that. my God, now it's green. Um, you can go to patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust. And if you subscribe at the Xenomorph level, not only do you get your name shouted out on this podcast, which we'll do after this uh, movie discussion, you can email us at with Gorley and Rust pod at gmail.com and let us know your name and shout out. But you can uh, watch these uh, podcast recordings uh, Streamed live, screamed live, like ah. listeners are doing right now. You can also get film commentaries. Paul, tell them about the film commentary we did, okay. not just yesterday. So we did a film commentary yesterday, less than 24 hours ago. That's right. And uh, I truly think it was unprecedented. I can't imagine anybody else doing something... So stupid. Or want, yeah, wanting to do something. <laughs> or wanting, or having any sort of desire. But we did, and it uh, it really was life-changing. We watched the theatrical cut of Halloween 6, Curse of Michael Myers, at the same time as uh, Halloween 6, Curse of Michael Myers, producer's cut. That's right. And it was really fun. Yeah. Fascinating too. Sometimes you yeah. go, "Ooh, that is happening at the same time," even though the other yeah. things were off. But then, uh, also a real, uh, just a way to explore how, in one cut, somebody could be electrocuted and just die, <laughs> and in another cut, somebody could be electrocuted that it explodes their head. <laughs> what was going on in those timelines? Now, Matt, remember last week when we were trying to figure out what C O M M meant? Yeah. That's funny. I just looked at it and I did it again. Well, it it meant I, commentary. I, no, I think it means curse of Michael Myers. Oh. I'm telling you what your brain thought. No, you're right. It's commentary, but it could also mean curse. That's of Michael amazing Myers. that it could. It should always mean that. From now on, our film commentaries will be called like, you know, the thing curse of Michael Myers. 
I would love a com- every filmmaker to do a commentary for a Curse of Michael oh, Byers. God. That, because so many of them would be going, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> and what did we stumble upon that we're going to do next because of this? Oh, though, this is extraordinary. Next time, all we're going to do, uh, because it just got mentioned Yeah, while we were doing it. And they were like, hey, that'd be good. It's a, um, And this is new for the live streamers, because right. nobody's heard this commentary. Or the yet. listeners, yeah. Or the listeners. Hey, um, we're going to do the Psycho original and the Psycho remake side by side. As they, I'm presuming, were meant to be watched because Gus Van Zandt was apparently so particular about that. You know more about this than me, but weren't there like two minor differences or something like that? There's the... Yeah, there's some extra shots. Yeah. uh, A goat. In the middle of a rainy road, stuff why, like that. Why choose that? That's if you're gonna adhere so closely, why divert for that? That's. I think they also add a sound to when um, uh, Norman is watching the girl undress. Well, so he you, he full on masturbates. He does. He? Yeah, okay, so it's not just a sound. No, they show. It's the sound and the fury. <laughs> He's photographed from like the shoulders up or something. Yeah. But, yeah. But you see uh, his shoulders moving up and down and his eyes cross. Yeah. <laughs> and go, steam I'll come out of his ears. Auga. What? Well, what was that? That's just like when Daffy Duck goes crazy or, yes. you know. Yes, he does. That's that thing that when Bugs Buddy drinks liquor and he goes, We've talked about that, I'm sure, (laughs) before. Uh, So, anyway, get on that Patreon, subscribe. There's a whole community going on there in the Discord. Uh, Quick announcement. Yeah, we just talked to some live streamers before we recorded. Got to say hello to a bunch of people, welcome them in. We had some good thoughts, uh, uh, some good notions that we'll share. Notions. But what were you... uh, Well, just off notions, do you remember that, speaking of like the classics of Bugs Bunny and stuff, when like... Daffy Duck would operate an elevator and they'd go to the top and be like, uh, you know, housewares, lingeries, notions. <laughs> now, is notions also uh, the room that the key that they whistle to goes to? Remember when it would be like when somebody would get a key ring in those cartoons, they go front door, back door. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what did you think that key meant? <laughs> What does that joke? mean? Is that like just the I remember asking like my mom and dad, like, what's that? Why do they whistle? And them just being like, it's the joke is that it's secret or you know, how funny. Um, although I went to a, a, a place to get a anniversary present and a card, and my daughter went with me, and we were looking at the cards, and she was going to pick out the one, and she pointed at this one. And I read it that said, you give me a lady boner, which <laughs> along with being inappropriate, I also just don't like that yeah. internet-y speak. Like, no. Lady uh, we, boners uh, all over the place. Uh, we talk, we've talked about this. Uh, yeah, I'm hey, with but you. Ma- who knows? We could be like these redheaded killer, killer in uh, the bedroom window. Maybe that's what it's about. Matt. We, kinda, we don't like seeing a woman be sexual in public. But we're, we're not going on to do what he did. No, so no, no. Really, no. we just hate the internet parlance. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So but she didn't know what she. But Mary was asked, she was like, "What's it say?" And <laughs> oh, then, no. 
one of those things, you know, when you go, hey, I'm no matter what, I'm going to be honest with my kid all the time as much as I can be. Because um, you want to raise somebody who's authentic. Right. Um, so when uh, I said it, though, I said, uh, you give me a lady... Oh, it's like she likes her so much, or something like that. Uh, and uh, and so your daughter's like, "Great, get the card." Yeah, what's the problem? Those. <laughs> that, doesn't, them, uh, that doesn't sound like internet to parlance. Each to of me. my grandmas. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the um, well, I, I referenced that uh, just right now. We're here to talk about uh, the bedroom window. Was was there anything else? Well, uh, just really quickly, I'm going to go through two points of please. personal business, and I've already talked about these, so I'll be real quick about it. It's Friday you know, today when this comes out. Tomorrow, there's a Townland and Mall Walk and show at the Dynasty Typewriter. Yes. Maybe Townland's last ride for quite some time. Come check it out, and if you can't make it in person, because I think tickets are maybe gone by this point, uh, you can watch live streaming. And then uh, Keys to the Kingdom, uh, Amanda's in my podcast about uh, working at theme parks is out now anywhere you it's listen. It's a hit. It's, I mean, well, people it's, who it's listen to it are going going well. Out. They yeah. love it. It's yeah, going so well. People got to check it out. Yeah, Matt, I got to say, when you gave the the spiel or whatever you would say about the Patreon, yeah, and then now with the Townland show and Keys to the Kingdom, if somebody was listening to that, they'd probably go, "Did how did did my finger accidentally hit?" 200% because I just, you were I micro machined it you were going fast I, I can't my, believe the it. guy from micro machines <laughs> yes. commercials is that, he still alive he, I don't know but remember even before he was that guy he was just known as the fast talking guy like he made a career out of it yeah. he was on that's incredible and everything yes i just watched last week somebody on reddit put him he he said the words to bad the fastest the lyrics. He read the lyrics to Bad. I was like, well, that's a pretty specific corner. Wow. Yeah. Who who did he have to challenge for yeah. that? Was there a previous <laughs> champion that he unthroned? It's funny. He does. I mean, I think we've talked about it before. The 80s, like what was funny a lot of times was just weird voice. Yeah. I'm going to uh, look him up while you... While Yakov Shmirnov, right. Judy Tenuta, Bobcat Goldthwait, Sam Kinison, Sam Kinison uh, Pee Wee Herman... Uh, and then what are we just talking about right now? Where, where, where am I blanking? The fast talking guy. The fast talking guy, he fits into that. People just like seeing weird sounds come out of people's mouths during that time. I know. Why? Speaking of Louis Anderson, <laughs> I was on a podcast the other day where we were picking Michael Winslow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, they were picking, we were picking the best love song, and I meant to say We Have All the Time in the World by Louis Armstrong, but I said We Have All the Time in the World by Louis Anderson. This guy's name is John Moshita Jr. The time in the world. <laughs> that was my friend's uh, impression of Louis Anderson. It was him as host of Family Feud. Oh, yeah. Because it'd be like. <laughs> Mike, what's his name? Mike Motormouth. No, John Motormouth Moshita. The fast talking guy. He's still alive. He's only sixty nine. That actually Whoa, seems weird, pretty young. Weird, yeah. He's a uh, yeah. You know why it seems young? Because we we were kids. He was bald. So you're just was like he? bald guy must have been. You know, you think he's but, eighty uh, when you're a kid. That was. So he was only like twenty nine when he was doing that stuff. Wow. He was in the prime of his motor mouthing. 
Ah, uh, yeah. I wonder if it is like boxing or something, you know, where you have your peak years of motor mouthing. Uh, I'm sure because I can't put words together like I used to be able to. <laughs> 586 words per minute. Per minute, his record was broken in 1990 by Steve Woodmore, who spoke 637 words Steve per Humor, minute. Steve Woodmore, you don't know this guy. Oh, it doesn't stop here. And then by Sean Shannon, who spoke 655 words per minute on August 30, 1995. Nobody However, gives a shit about those guys. No shit. A questions the legitimacy of those who uh-huh. claim to be faster than him. That's all that says. I like that attitude. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Good stuff. He's in Young Doctors. I heard there's actually some controversy going around because Jim Jordan helped uh, Motormouth like put out there that those were illegitimate other winners and stuff, and that he actually and I mean, and he's right. Good or bad, say what you want about Jim Jordan. It is something he shouldn't have gotten involved in. Yeah, and he's right. He's he's always right. Let's, he's always right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> he's always right, right even if he's wrong. He's always right if he's wrong. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the bedroom with the Steve Gutenberg and Dr. Mike Curtis Hanson. My name is Matt Gorley. This is Paul Russ. We're talking with Gorley and Russ. Yeah. Dice him, slice him. Uh, I knew a guy in college who could do uh, Wayne's World like that. Really? Not like Motormouth, but just he would go... I am Wayne Gamble. I'm the host of Wayne's World. Yes, you know me. Uh, I live it with my parents, which I admit is both demented and sad. And here with me, as always, is Garth. Garth, uh, like, he could he had memorized it that he... Uh, I could kind of do that with Platoon Death. I know? could hardly hang out with him because usually he was fighting off chicks. <laughs> Same here. I was like, hey, do you want to hang out? <laughs> nope. Three dates tonight. <laughs> I re... re- I recanted, uh, <laughs> not recanted, recited uh, Wade's Roll to a girl. And, Did yeah. you ever, when you have to memorize lines, do you ever try to say them as fast as possible? Because I feel like once I can do that, I I have the, the verbiage mastered so then I can kind of like, you know, so. I like that. That's a good idea. No, I, um, I guess I could. There was one time I remember for White house down you auditioned for white house down <laughs> for the um white house tour guide what and it we was just like, watched that not too long oh, ago really? i know what part you're talking yeah. about oh my and god and i remember seeing the theater then and being able like a song that you know being able to say it in my mind with the oh, guy yeah. i was like god i really and they didn't time change much huh yeah and it's funny too because wow. it's like memorizing that was the equivalent of a tour guide who works at the White House who has to memorize the spiel. Like, right. It was like, you know, it probably just made up facts and stuff. I don't know how I'll real tell you was, what, but. nothing against the guy who's in it. Truly, he's fine. But Paul Russ in that movie? Oh, without a doubt. It cut above. It would have been a cut above. <laughs> yeah, I'm not yeah. even joking. You should have played that part. Uh, I think that guy probably was the right guy to, to play that part. I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> but I bet there was a time that I could have said that really fast. Yeah. You know what I heard... Uh, cool actors do like um christopher walken and uh i and i'm not being facetious when i say this a truly great talented actor a friend of mine armin weitzman oh yeah um they uh when i said facetious i don't want you to say cool actors christopher walken and armin weitzman but the two of them they're great and armin uh also uh christopher walken and armin weitzman will uh not let punctuation like hang them up and it yeah. makes for like good interesting line yeah. readings because it's like you're still honoring the writer's text you're not changing words or anything but you are given a little different thing by that's a technique who is it is it uh 
It's not Meisner. Who there is there is a, like an oh act, really acting moving it around, put a comma somewhere, or just it. take it out and just kind of like you learn it uh, purely organically first before you decide to ever mm-hmm. put any of that back in. Well, as long as we're speaking of fine acting, what a time to talk about Steve Gutenberg. Okay. Now, this movie's pretty weird, I think. That's the best way to describe it. I have that in my notes. You do? Um, <laughs> oh my God, man. It's just a weird movie, right? It's weird acting, weird movie, weird. Wow. Isn't that that must we- mean isn't that weird yeah. that we vote well? It or- must mean it's really weird if we're both saying it's weird. And I, yes. And when I thought that, when, I, when the movie was done, I was like, that was weird. I thought, I have to imagine that's going to be the listener's response too was like that was weird because it's not bad or good right it's just weird it's weird it's left of it's odd it's oddly directed it's really oddly acted yes it's oddly oddly scored oddly paced oddly but maybe also pretty well shot at times although there were two dps on this yeah and two composers i noticed too whoa two gutenbergs did you know that no. Two Steve Gutenbergs. Oh, wow, that's uh, a <laughs> there's a, a te- this town's too big for two Gutenbergs, I and think. And a pair of Isla Isabel Uper. <laughs> two Uper's? Yes. Uh, now, uh, that's interesting you say that. Okay, so that's kind of like where we're coming cuz I thought almost like uh, a a doctor or something. I'm trying to figure out yeah. like what made it weird because I, I agree with you that I think like, um, or, or I was trying to do this thing of like, um, have you ever thought before? Like if you saw, I'm just thinking this now, but like you read something and you might not give it credit because, um, it didn't come in a hard copy book. Uh huh. But you wonder sometimes, like, if I pulled this off a shelf and it was in a cover and it was published and I opened it up, I would probably give the writing some benefit of the doubt. You didn't view it with authority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or like, this was intentional. This isn't just some goof. So, like, when I was watching this, it was kind of like, well, the... uh, It looks like a handsome movie. And uh, it shot well. This and and more going like, if this was the script and it was just different actors, would the movie be good? And there was a couple times where I thought that because when the scenes had really good acting, like a Wallace Shawn mm-hmm. or that neighbor lady yeah. who came out and at first was really friendly, and then it turned to her being like uh, right. threatening, like. It's it's for me if I had to be a doctor, me this I do think it's Gutenberg. I think if like the and Isabel, yeah, I think if I those agree. two had just been differently cast, I, I know they say fifty percent is casting, but this is like a true example. I think of that. it's even more, and I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think also throw into the mix the fact that Curtis Hansen has not arrived at L.A. Confidential Curtis Hansen yet, and part of that is resources, mm-hmm. but where he's come from with Roger Corman, right? Yeah, but you know what's incredible? This movie that's amazing, The Silent Partner, with Elliot Gould and Christopher Plummer that he did. Oh, I've seen that, yeah. It's awesome. I didn't he realize did that before, was him. And it's similar to this. It's, it's almost like, uh, when I was watching yeah. this, I was like, 
oh, they're doing the story of the guy who knows who the criminal is and he's yeah. watching him and can kind of put the screws on him. But then it doesn't really I had, follow I, that. Then he becomes like wrongfully accused. Yeah, yeah. and I, I have an issue with that movie too because I find Elliot Gould's character to be kind of annoying, amoral, amoral oh, and a little reprehensible and self-serving. So I, I find myself wondering where my uh, loyalties should lie. Also, I'm just so disposed to liking Christopher Plummer and he's such a bastard in that movie that I don't think I could reconcile. Well, that, he's right? just a Santa. Too. I know. Like, how could you, uh... But it also takes place in a, a bank in a mall. So why don't I adore this movie? I don't know. Maybe I need to give it another shot, but yeah, but, you've got Curtis Hansen coming out of Roger Corman films, which I think is going to start you off certainly in a direction that you probably he probably had to get a lot of that out of his system to arrive at kind of the really capable Curtis Hansen that we yeah. know and love. Well, because yeah, we know him from uh, the Hand that Rocks the Cradle, a previous yuppie nightmare. We'll know yeah. him next week with Bad Influence because mm-hmm. he directed that as well. Brantley Palmer in uh, in the live stream said he thinks Curtis Hansen should be considered the patron saint of yuppie nightmares. It could very well be. Do you? Th- I think he also he also did River Wild, which oh, would right. be a fun yuppie nightmare. Yes. I think Gutenberg was kind of handed to him. Yes. Although that's... ultimately because of Brantley's notes, we know he had lunch with him and, and went for it, but I don't think he was his first choice. Neither was Isabella or Isabel Huppert. Mm-hmm. Um but then they he arrived at that. I think Elizabeth McGovern's pretty good at She's this. awesome. Yeah. No, I mean... She's the best. Anytime she was popping up, I was so happy. And yeah. uh, I thought... Uh, before... Um, spoiler. Uh, Isabel uh, was uh, murdered. I was thinking, like, why isn't Elizabeth McGovern? And then she kind of becomes the co-star after Yeah. That. But, like, um, yeah. like, a little switchy. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's like... Um, you know, with the Gutenberg, it's like I was talking about it with Leslie because we watched it together this morning. Oh, Amanda yeah. and I you watched and Amanda watch last, it last night. night. Well, she she had to go to bed at a certain point, but uh, I mean, I'm uh, curious what her feelings are about Gutenberg. But like, because uh, we were saying, like, uh, we were talking about it, it's like it's similar to Craig Wasson in Body Double. Yeah, um, where people like. That specific role, and it's maybe what you're talking about with uh, Elliot Gould and Silent Partner, where they have a little bit of an amoral quality, or they're they're not entirely heroic. They kind of fuck something up. I think that can be a real tough part to play. And the ones who do it well is like John Travolta in Blowout, yeah. or Jimmy Stewart in Rear Window. But those two actors are people who are like number one, top of the list of people just like. I like that person so. I love John yeah. Travolta. I love Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy they make Stewart, me so yeah. happy. Like they're just people who are naturally likable. It seems like you have to cast people like that in yeah. a role where they're like kind of a weird voyeur, not entirely above the table. But like if it's Gutenberg or Lawson, and Gutenberg, he thinks he's sexy. He thinks he's charismatic. No, it's it's a little forced, and and yet I love the guy. There is something about <laughs> Gutenberg that does work, just not in this movie. Gutenberg in a Police Academy movie? Flawless. I love it. Hey, I'm, I'm not saying Gutenberg alone. Uh, yeah. Uh, and there could have been something, I think, interesting when I was like... Because the thing that I do like that this movie hinges on is a guy trying to like... 
it all kind of uh, starts snowballing because he wants to seem like tough or cool yeah. or sexy in front of yeah. the woman. She's like, I'm scared to call or I don't want to call. And he's like, well, then I'll call for you, baby. Yeah. And I'll just yeah. give your testament, like what you said is mine. Um, and then he like pays the price of like trying to seem cool or heroic. And I was like, well, Gutenberg, that would be cool because his whole thing is like, I'm a nice guy. I'm that. That's always kind of his thing, like a wise ass. Yeah. And to see like that be kind of like scuffed up or made like dark. Mm. Oh, Gutenberg in all of his movie roles, he always thinks he's the nice, charming guy. He tried in this moment to be nice and charming and call in for the cops, and now he has to pay for it, like Griffin Dunn or so. You know yeah. what I mean? It was just like, but. Uh, when this movie worked the least, it was when Gutenberg and Uper were talking because he just was doing something else that this character needed mm-hmm. other than what this character needed. And she's very heavily ADR'd. So already, it's not that her accent's too thick, it's just false coming out of her mouth that you yeah. can't... I don't think you can match nuance in those scenes with ADR. Like, it just... They really do seem like two different... Uh, actors in a in, in two a, different movies. Yeah, yeah, like when I was watching, I thought, and no slight on either of these actors that I'm comparing them to because I like these actors a lot. But I was like watching and thinking, like, this would be like if John Ritter and Julie Christie were like yeah, together. I know it is. Yeah, because she's so kind of steeped in uh, like bedroom noir, where mm. and he's just lighthearted, kind of. Um, slightly randy comedies. Yeah. You're right. It is John Ritter. <laughs> Who would you cast in this, in these roles? We can keep Elizabeth McGovern, keep Wallace Shawn, and keep the the bad guys. Yeah, that bad guy. Cool. I like his, like, spooky, spooky. He, he reminded weird. me of the albino in Foul Play. And then uh... I looked him up and I didn't recognize him. And then when he's older, you recognize him from a many, many things. Oh, really? Yeah. But, Interesting. Because he... Also, you know, what's interesting about people with that red of hair, when they go fully gray, there's no evidence of their past of being a redhead. So he's just been gray for quite some time. And it's like a witness protection program for gingers. That's right. And they need it. (laughs) So who would you cast? Um, Well, if you go on the tip of you got to cast a Jimmy Stewart or John Travolta, somebody who's like people just really have kind of... um, clear, easy affection for Yeah, during that time period. Steve Gutenberg. I mean, it's funny. Like, you'd think that is I know. Gutenberg. Um, the problem, it gets kind of shaky, and I'm saying this as a way to figure out who would be good, well cast, uh, is it gets even shakier at the end when he's supposed to be like a paranoid man who's yeah. like losing his grip because they like then start putting like darker eyeliner around his eyes and stuff. But oh. like... He doesn't, I mean, even, uh, and I like Craig Wasson and Body Double, but like in that one, he's like drinking like whiskey from a bottle and has like five o'clock shadow. I buy that more yeah. than this. Because he uh, also is just still cracking jokes. Yeah, right, right, right. That's so I'm trying to think of who could do that part. Like you see them start to kind of like become yeah. losing a grip and you believe it. Um, more so than the like Jeff Bridges. Yeah, that's good, dude. Yeah, I mean, he's no stranger to this genre, so Jeff Bridges is really good because it has to be like 
in every man. Yeah. Uh, but with charisma. Yes. And likability. And that's where I think the movie, I mean, I like the opening because even in a yuppie nightmares tropes way, you think it's the, the trope of the person's getting ready to go out to the big party. And then the surprise of like, oh, it's him coming back to the party, getting the place ready for the yeah. woman. He's, that was like, but I was like, the trade off they made for that little clever surprise as opposed to. And this is just, you know, the movie didn't do this. So why am I saying this? But like, it just seems like the, the scenario that they found themselves in of like, we can't talk about this. It would have been like better set up if it starts at that party yeah. and he's talking to his boss right. and him and his boss kind of have a weird thing, but you know, like, he, right. and then he goes over and he talks to his wife and you're like, are they sleeping together? And then they get back to his apartment. And you're like, Oh, they are. Yes. You're absolutely and now right. It's like that would have been so this sort better. of confusing way that they're meeting up and then meeting her husband after the witnessing. You're just kind of like mixed up on, well, why would they keep this secret? And what are the, the players in this? I know? know there's a few little weird motivations and it does make you think that this movie is ripe for a remake, which apparently it almost did twice. Oh. with Kaylee Cuoco and who did Brantley say was directing? Uh, I can oh, look right. it up. And then Bloomhouse was going to do huh. it at one point. But let me look that up. Um, it's a good premise. I, I do like the... Um, I don't know if the, the why somebody would call in or not call in and stuff is, would be the same. Kevin Williamson. Oh, right on! Yeah. Um... I did think there's something contemporary about that would be cool and um, not thinking, oh, if they remade this, but now that they are, thinking like, I did think there was something really, you know, with yuppie thrillers or noirs or whatever, it, it is interesting of like, what was the little, we were talking about before, the choice that they make that's just a little, a shortcut or something like that. And the idea that somebody wants the praise for a pursuit of justice that you know is wrong, but you didn't have eyes to. Yeah. That feels like of the time. Like that yeah, is like sure. a, a difficulty. And, and when do you raise your voice to call something out? why you know the thing we talk about of like whose glory do you seek because just being uh sharing from my own personal life there's been a couple of times where i've called out um somebody out for homophobia in front of a group of people and mm -hmm. been like that's fucked up you shouldn't say that but it's when i don't like the person interesting so you give someone a Pass, so possibly. I am a person who is anti-homophobia. Yeah. And I believe in that. But I speak up to it. Not all the time. There's times where yeah. I'm just saying there's been time, two times I can remember, where I called somebody out for being homophobic. And it was true. And they should have been called out. But I was kind of doing it because I didn't like that person. And I knew I was on the most moral, yeah. firm ground I could be, which is like, you're a homophobe, I'm not, you're wrong, I'm right. Yeah. And so, just the idea that somebody would be like, 
well, you did witness this. I didn't. So I'm kind of doing the right thing here. And maybe you think I'm cool because I'm doing like, I was just like, that's a really good start for a thriller. Yeah, but it is. And yeah. it's, it is a good idea. It's based on a book. And I guess the Elizabeth McGovern was an invention for this film. She's her character's not in the mm. book, which is really interesting because it's such a pivotal part of this movie. Yeah. What's also fascinating is the way we're entering into Yuppie Nightmares this second season. So you go After Hours, which is really a movie before it's a Yuppie Nightmare. It's just a good movie. Mm-hmm. And then you've got this one, which is just strange and weird. And it has on paper the elements of a Yuppie Nightmare, but still doesn't have the like, it's not very cozy necessarily no, you know what i it's, called it i was like i'm not being like seduced here. no yeah it's like not. the first 20 minutes it's just like a then this happened then yeah that then this and none of the scenes ever have one like quality where you're like "Ooh, that's no cool that's and neat the people, i did it you don't, it's just kind of all basic like yep they're yeah. doing this now they're doing that it's and, a little alien yeah and I, yeah. I when i was watching i was like thinking with yuppie nightmares a huge component of it, and I guess you realize this when you don't get something, yeah. you go, oh, I, that's what I like when I do get it, is when the, how those movies seduce me. Seduce you into a little bit of lust, a little bit of coziness. Yes. Remember when we were watching- But they seduce you into the bad choice oh, the yeah. person oh, makes, yeah. too. You kind of go like, I'm just enjoying this ride, <laughs> yeah. I'm going for this. But the way it was all coming together, I was kind of like, well, I don't know what he likes about her. And You why. don't yeah. judge them as much in a well-made- yuppie nightmare this one you you are questioning him yeah as opposed to being along for the ride mm-hmm. remember yesterday when we were watching halloween six and you go to the both versions have the scene where loomis is just in a real cozy sweater in his like cabin or wherever he is yeah. and you like you get hit with such coziness right in the face it's the best and this movie never i know i there was coziness. a couple times in my notes where i wrote cozy question yeah. mark like are aquariums cozy? I don't think so. I don't think so. No. Uh, are opera houses cozy? Kind of like an aquarium could be cozy. Yeah. An opera house could be cozy. And you know what should have been cozy? Like in American Werewolf is when he stays the night at her place. But Dude, it's so, I was just going to say that her apartment was it's so messed. Like bright it looked, and, it was white and had contemporary art. And I'm like, yeah. Well, you've been saying this whole time she ain't a yuppie. I he know. goes to the yacht club bar yeah. with the St. Almost Fire crew where the girl is dancing around. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this is a Michelob Light crew, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then you go to her, her bar and you're like, oh, she's not a yuppie. She's been a place with brick and neolite. Yeah. And I loved how... At the beginning, when Isabel, when he, she comes over and he goes, You want something to drink? She goes, White wine? He goes, I got a beer. And then when he goes over to McGovern's at the end, she yeah. goes, You want a beer? Yeah. It's like, He found his woman. I know. I uh, know. But to that point, then, her apartment should have been like in American Werewolf, like just a cool girl's apartment yeah. that you. Paperbacks. And that's they, what it should have been. A lot I know. Of, like, paperbacks. Uh, yeah, dog-eared paperbacks. Yeah. And then they uncozy her because she couldn't look more cozy as she is with that short haircut, that cool corduroy kind of Harrington jacket. Yeah. And then I and then she goes in disguise and she ends up. Well, the looking, disguise but is so crazy too. But they're treating the disguise like he, Gutenberg's looking at her like, whoa, I, that you was really so clean up nicely, don't you? And I'm kind of going, are you crazy? I think objectively that's insane to think she looks better there 
than the natural version of her, which is like stunningly. I couldn't believe gorgeous when, and cute. Yes, yeah. when they had the close up of him being like, "Oh, who's this now?" I'm like, oh, that's a nice wig. Wow, high class wig. Well, it was funny too because they're doing it. I now hate this in all movies now. The like, let's use somebody as bait thing. It's yeah, like, that just, this was rough. Uh, yeah. But with her, it was like um, they were like trying to make her look like his type. I was like, but he attacked her. She is his type. Like, I, know, I know. I know that they have to do it because they have to disguise her. Yeah. But to do it to try to like, Justify you have to make that? it look like his other victims, like you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, uh, but uh, yeah, then her. Um, <coughs> I did like the um, whatever that guy's like psychosexual hangup was, like the. Oh yeah! How it like messes him up to see a woman like be sexy in public with a group of guys. <laughs> like, yeah, that was like he was an interesting villain, and he just doesn't speak until the end when well, he just goes, "You." Yeah, that and was it's interesting good. too because he's you know it's him from the beginning. Yeah, like, as soon as he turned up and you saw his face, I was like, "Oh, okay, that's we're not that's not what this is about." I know, and it's for some reason it's also weird too that he's like twenty one. Yeah, I mean that whole thing is set up weird. That it's like, I have to maybe Curtis Hanson, Curtis Hanson seems like a smart enough guy that there's something like that. Normally in these movies, these people are looking out a window at nude people, but yeah. like she's nude and he looks up and she's yeah. naked. It was like he was having his own little <laughs> <laughs> like. It was kind of a bait and switch to save Elizabeth McGovern. She didn't even know she was doing it. Of like. You want that? Look over here. Yeah, And then yeah. she gets away, yeah. I mean, McGovern, uh, I know we already said that she's great in this movie, but I think she's just uh, really great in general and a sort of like a um, a jewel of 80s movies when she yeah. pops up, like uh, Ordinary People she's great in. Who is she in that? Because I saw that she was in that. She's night. the new girl that um, Timothy Hutton starts to... Uh, uh, um, that he uh, meets okay. after he uh, tries to commit suicide. All right. Okay. Um, and they have a really sweet scene. I'll remember for the rest of my life at the end. She goes, they, it's after choir practice and they're walking in the snow like to their cars or something. And she goes, you're a really good singer. And he goes, you're just saying that. <laughs> uh, but then she's also good and she's having a baby. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. um, and then the resurgence of Downton Abbey too. We can't forget. Yeah, so you know, I can't say like she's an undiscovered gem of or a gem of the eighties movies where underappreciated. Yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah. But no, yeah. Um, and yeah, she um in that. Yeah, it's interesting that her part was added from the book because you know we've talked about how yuppie nightmares they start coming around right around the time that the people who had been going to slashers for the last mm. 10 years are now like now for something grown up let's see yeah. a yuppie be alone in their apartment getting stalked by right. a killer uh at the end i was digging it. i'm like hey we're just fully back in halloween 1978 territory know, when she was like movie too yeah yeah but then i was like it gets mucked up when and this is kind of how yuppie nightmares can sometimes muck up the fun of a slasher movie yeah 
I liked her getting stalked around. I like her. I like the guy. He's scary looking. And then Gutenberg just comes in and they like tussle in a tight stairwell. I know. <laughs> this isn't scary. It's not adrenaline. I'm not getting like action, Gutenberg. No, they have that one moment where the guy appears behind the window of the parking garage door or whatever, the stairwell door. Mm-hmm. That was pretty good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, anytime that guy popped up, it was uh, effective, I think. What if David Fincher took a go at this, you know? Yeah. Because there's real suspense and menace to be had. They just really don't explore enough. You know, when when the bad guy figures out uh, Isabel uh, Huppert is who she is in the courtroom... There should be at least another half hour, 45 minutes of fear and dread that he's going to come after. after and same her. with Elizabeth McGovern. Yes. And, and uh, if a David Fincher, say, made this, they would have to figure out how not to do the stupidest fucking thing in the world. Like and the person in the courtroom indicating to the person in the witness stand. Oh, I know. So that both the victim and the accused both see it. I was Before like, this they even, is just too fucking convenient, guys. Before they even got to that scene, I was like, well, if I was in that situation, I would I would just, we would come up with a signal for yes or no. Like, she'd scratch her ear for yes and you yeah. know, yep. whatever, rub, rub her hair for no. And, and uh, they kind of did this plan. But in a meaning, in she'd ca- wear rubber hair. <laughs> but in the category of these people are being too dumb, and you want somebody in a thriller to act smart so that the stakes feel yeah. sneaky. Uh, uh, her showing up in the courtroom and doing gestures in front of everybody, I'm like, that is dumb. Yeah. And then when I was watching it, Leslie said, and this was probably my least favorite part of the movie: the whole wrongfully accused, like. They were trying to do a lot of Hitchcock stuff. Oh yeah, and the for one, sure, and yeah. De Palma, and yes, and the Hitchcock thing of the wrongfully the wrongful man accused thing. Just like I couldn't. It, it wants that. to have its cake and eat it too. The other thing is but, where but you, Leslie's point was: oh. oh, if he's wrongfully accused, he should just turn himself in, and then they'll start asking him questions, and they'll realize like this isn't the fucking guy. We're yeah. wrong. And then an attack will happen, and they'll go get that guy. And they kind of do that. He's like, he turns himself in, but then he leaves again, and he shows up at the place where she's supposed to be bait, where he's not around, so that he doesn't get accused. It's also, silly. he's like thinking so quickly up on that stand. And then Wallace Shawn says, like, how did you see? And anybody with contacts, having been a contacts wearer, knows that you also, you take your contacts out at night, and you wear glasses at night. Yes. And he just picks up his glasses off the nightstand and goes over to the window like you would do anyway. I don't know like why he, he didn't say that. Done. I know. Yeah. And I I get why. Like, the plot has to be the plot. But yeah. it seems like you could write around something like that. You yeah. Know? I mean, the Wallace Shawn thing, that scene was pretty preposterous. But it was the first time I was seeing an actual, like, character. Yeah. I and agree. a character doing something that wasn't just the obvious thing or like, the weird thing like the yeah. da was we- he was interesting but yes. he was weird that da was weird where he just comes in he's like this is what i'm like do you hate gutenberg or like it what's going on with I, this but energy? he keeps patting him on the back and then he just ogles that woman on the staircase and i get that <laughs> we're supposed to think like oh this guy's a real player but then they cast this kind of schlubby dude yeah. <laughs> also someone that was really weird is when he goes to to colin's house and it's the maid and she goes 
ballet. They've gone to the ballet. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, with the Wallace Shondo thing, the thing that I liked was uh, how friendly he was yeah, at the beginning. I know. He played that so well. And that's an yeah. actor's choice. Oh, Most actors so would good. go in there and they'd immediately be playing the shark yeah. who's trying to get him on the hook or whatever. It is interesting that the, the prosecution... It's kind of mean and the defense is yeah. friendly. <laughs> and then how he turns then at the end and then gets like hostile yeah. at the end once he's like realizes he has him. I was like, that's I love Wallace Shawn. That yeah. was fucking I'd rather have Wallace Shawn than the Steve Gutenberg part, uh personally. <laughs> did I did we ever answer who would have been good? It was Jeff some, Bridges, but oh, not yes. for uh what is the role, the character name of Isabel Uper, so I don't have to keep faking a French accent. Uh, what was her name? I don't remember. Yeah. And that's the movie's fault. Yes. I don't even know Elizabeth McGovern's name. I know. What was Steve Gutenberg's well, name? I don't know. I In all my notes, it's just Gutenberg, Isabella, and McGovern all over I the place. I have Gutenbutt down for when you see his butt. But that I, have... I will show you. I wrote <laughs> Gutenbutt, too. <laughs> we both wrote Gutenbutt. Just, just proof here. We'll show the live screamers Gutenbutt so they know that this was not, that this was all backwards, but above board. Yeah. Gutenbutt. Oh, Steve Gutenbutt. Gutenbutt. See that guy, Steve Gutenbutt. You do the Gutenbutt. Doing to my heart. Two butts in this movie. You also see the killer's butt. Oh, three butts. You see Isabelle Uperson. Well, I only consider dudes have butts. I understand. But. You know how it'll be like, you and I are a lot alike, detective. I thought that yeah. was kind of what they were doing with the like bad guy, good guy. Like, you and I both have butts and moonlights, <laughs> Gutenberg. Uh, another little trope thing, just as I was saying that, that I remembered that uh, I really like is um, when at some point they pull Gutenberg aside to interrogate him when he's like trying to go to work and... Um, I was thinking, like, I like it in movies when somebody's, like, um, the cops pull him aside and they question, oh, oh, because he said to the cops, he was like, so are you going to charge me with anything? And they go, no, we just want to bring you in. Uh, in those scenes, I usually like it. There's an extra part where I'll go, are you going to charge me with anything, detective? And they're like, no, no, we can't. He's like, well, then if you don't mind... I'd like to go to my daughter's wedding. I'd like to <laughs> yes. see my daughter get married today, detectives. Well, if you don't mind, I'd like to give the eulogy at my mother's funeral. Yes, yeah, yeah. But then there's also the small ones that'll be like, well, and if you don't mind, detective, I'd like to finish this golf game. Yes, right. It's like, okay. Oh, you bastard! <sighs> well, you bastard! We want to catch you, but you play <laughs> golf! I'm curious to... to put this against the tropes because I don't think there are many in here. If anything, it's an opposite of a nopey where I said that I wrote that in my notes, opposite yeah. of a nopey when yeppy. they bring the cops in and the cops are trying to get him and then he's trying to throw him yeah. off with the, it literally like is the opposite of a nopey because he doesn't smoke that he thought that as a, like a teenager knows if you get caught with cigarettes that aren't yours, you go that you don't want somebody to know. You just go, yeah, those are my friends. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my sister did it when I found a pack of cigarettes in her purse. She told me she was holding them for her friend Jamie. Yeah. Now that doesn't make any fucking sense, Matt. Why would my sister hold Jamie's cigarettes in her purse? Clearly not... my sister was smoking. <laughs> Is there not some 
exception they have for situations like this where someone was doing something they shouldn't have been doing, but it's not a crime or it's maybe just a misdemeanor, but they can come in and at least be a, an anonymous witness. I understand it's different if they have to testify, but you mean uh, in terms of their concerns about having an affair, basically like yeah. if you went into the cops and said, look, I saw something, but I got to let you know I was having an affair. Yeah. I mean, that I was interesting that cops would rat you out. Cause I did like that reveal at the end that she was kind of like, I knew it was that guy. I just didn't want to get embroiled in all this. And now we are because I thought that was like some, whatever the white knighting kind of thing. Yeah. Like she was just like, I was content to just sort of let this go by. But yeah, to your question of, Hmm. Yeah. Because her husband, Whoa. What a character there. Yeah. So the gun, the whole gun thing, that is the most bizarre way to introduce. I thought for character. sure that was going to be used. I mean, Talk literally check like, gun, it's, but it's a Bugsy Siegel's, Siegel's gun. gun, but that was it's very gold. Can we can consider that another example of how this movie's weird? Yes. Why like put that Bugsy, in there? Like, and he taught, they're at a workplace and he's holding, like he's tossing a gun. I know he's the boss and his name is on the sign, but I still don't think anybody would be throwing around no, guns at an office. It is a strange scene. And uh, that actor, I you know, I love when you watch a movie and you know an actor only from one other movie. Yeah. And so their cadences can only be the cadences you've heard a thousand right. times. So this guy, I don't know if you recognize him. I've probably seen this movie about 20 goddamn times, Gorley, is Scarface. I love Scarface so much. Oh. And he's the guy who, like, uh, Tony works with. Uh, he's outside of the country, and he's the guy he's getting his cocaine from, Columbia. Oh, okay. But because he has a really great line in uh, Scarface where he goes, I like you, Tony. There is no line in you. <laughs> Which yeah. is, like, so funny because it's like he's been speaking perfect English. <laughs> <laughs> for like 10 minutes in a scene. And then at the very end, he's like, there is no lying in you. Uh, and then also, so he, the two gears that he has in Scarface, which is, I'm seducing you, Tony. You don't expect me to be a snake. That's like yeah. what his scene is at the beginning. It's like, well, clearly this guy is evil. Right. He's like, but yeah. he's supposed to be. But, um, at the end of Scarface, I love it how he like loses his shit. He goes, "Listen, you fucking little monkey!" Like, God, I wish gets, I remembered this. And he gets to do that at the end when he gets mad at Gutenberg oh, for yeah. Then he gets to do that same like, "Oh, I got the two moves from this yeah, guy." Yeah. The other actor who I recognize from only one other part. Do you know telephone booth guy? No, but that guy's in Scarface too. Yeah. Uh, who is that guy? He's always a scumbag. Yeah, he shows up a lot. So, wait, let me guess. Uh, it's a little... Uh, uh, obscure, so I don't... Okay, uh, go ahead. Uh, it's not the guy in the green jacket that looks straight at camera? <laughs> no, who's that? Was it at the police station? I'm trying to remember where that was. <laughs> he's just like an extra, and they pan by him, and he's talking to someone else, and he just looks at the camera. More than even Martin Scorsese's mom does. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wish I would have seen that guy. Um, the detective, plainclothes detective, the white guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's familiar. I know him from uh, as another cop, but not in plain clothes or detective, but as uh, officer clothes. Um, when he goes, uh, 
I gave five full body cavity searches myself, inside and out. Oh, yeah, what is that? He's the cop in Wade's world. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow, okay. Uh, oh, my God. You know how I was talking to uh, Rhapsodizing about uh, uh, how in Pee Wee's Big Adventure was the first time, like, somebody who's silly isn't annoying people. Yeah. They just really, everybody gets along. Yeah. I do think Mike Myers took a page from that in Wayne's world. It's really great. Like right. the cop loves Wade and Garth. Yeah. That's it's so right. cute. That's right. They're like, they're like, Ooh, I smell a uh, pig. And he's like, ha ha, you kids. We used to do that too. Called the police pigs. <laughs> uh, can we take a pee break? Yeah, let's take a pee break. We'll be right back. With I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. With and We started to get into a conversation that definitely needed to be. Yeah, on you're like, hold on, Paul, pump them brakes. We got to get this on mic. Yeah. Um, I was saying that on the Patreon, somebody said, hey, architect here, uh, I got to tell you guys, it's not glass bricks, it's glass cubes. And I think that's good to, a good thing to note in that's yuppie movies. That's a fine not- line distinction, I think, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I see a glass brick, that seems like Lego, but a glass cube... Okay. Like, I don't see glass bricks often. Are they in this movie? Okay, so now that's why we really had to come in here. Because Matt said, well, here's the thing. There's not even glass cubes in the movie. And I gave him a look like, easy there. <laughs> cool your jets, pal. You're out of your league. You're out of your depth. Now, here's the reason why I don't think you saw them, Matt. Because they're in a place where you'd least expect them. You know how they kind of go through different strata of bars in this? We were talking about yeah. there's the Yacht Club bar, and right. then they go to her kind of like cool bar, her but Edgar not, Allen Poe bar, not yeah. preppy. The Nevermore. That's got to be a real bar, right? Yeah, I was like, did, they wouldn't have put all that work into getting a sign just for this movie, you know? Yeah. Weird thing to spend yeah. your money on. Although I'd love to have that Nevermore. Right? I'd love to go to that bar. <laughs> See you tonight. Okay. Uh, but the... Uh, 
by the end, they uh, they just wind up at a dive bar with uh-huh. the wood paneling where it's just a bunch of dudes all hanging around the <sighs> pool table. That is where the glass block was. That's at odds. I know. It is very much at odds, and it doesn't really work with the yuppie. They should have been in the first bar. They should have been in his apartment. They should have been loft, in his apartment. For sure. Yes. yes. He had an art drafting table. I'm not sure why. Hmm. I guess construction plans or something. I had that exact same one when I was in high school and I would, that's, yeah. I, the first time I saw a drafting table, I wanted one. My cousin had it. I waited until Christmas and then I got my drafting table and I loved it. Oh, you had a drafting table. So did you have like a T-square and everything too? Yeah, it it was more just about having the big white board that yeah. kind of went up at a slant and yeah. you could sit there and draw. It's that was great. Yeah, um, my daughter now really likes to draw and likes to do the thing of looking at a picture of a cartoon character she likes and trying to. Oh, and I'm like, that I'm for so me when I was a that. kid, that was like, even if it didn't look exactly like it, it was the first time where you feel like you have some sort of a creative powers yeah, and it's very I agree. exciting I, yeah. I, I remember the very first time I drew Batman and Robin running at camera with like one leg down and the <gasps> other one just a knee and then a foot Ooh. behind it like short foreshortened I think because I was just copying the 60s Batman mm-hmm. opening titles you know that's I remember, awesome. remember noting that going oh that's something that's like that's different than them just standing there you know that rules dude yeah. I love that yeah the uh, I would I could spend a whole Saturday. I we would get these big calendar pages, like um, wall calendars for big, uh, like an office thing where you have to fill it up a bunch, you know, or yeah. or a week calendar that's just a big square, basically big rectangle. And I would tear off one of those, and then I would just be like, I'm gonna just not necessarily where's Waldo style, but like just draw and like fill up this whole page and then when I'm done I'm done and I remember I would just hmm. have the TV going and oh, draw and kind of get best. lost and that's the best um, that uh, um, I think uh, Steven Soderbergh has the uh, what's that making the hat fixing the hat doing the hat but the song is about the the bliss that a creative person can feel yeah. when they look down and then they look back up and like two hours passed and you're like, Oh yeah. Oh, I, it was all purely sometime in right my brain, life. left brain and conjunction. And what's that? Where I just it? want sometime in my life. I want to sit down to do something I've never done. I've done it many times in high school in summer. I started animating a 2d cartoon and like painting cells and all this <sighs> stuff, but I never finished. And I just want to do a short. And I, now with iPhones, Cause I used to have a, have a super eight camera with a yes. one, you know, one frame mm-hmm. shutter release, mm-hmm. but it was like, you couldn't tell what you were doing yep. until you developed it and got it back. And I, I didn't have a ton of money, so that was expensive. Mm-hmm. And now with iPhones, you can just tweak it all you need. And, but I want 2d, I want to paint those damn cells. I want to trace them. Dude, that'd be uh, awesome. What would, uh, what would it be? I think of just full feature length animated version of the bedroom window. <laughs> I don't know what else to do. Uh, I had, um, I have some, uh, a friend who's an animator and I got to know other animators through them and stuff. But, um, they were telling me that animators really like to draw people dancing, that that's like it's, yeah. kind of an animator's dream. Well, 
not to forcefully segue us back to this movie, but the scene of the people dancing at Nevermore, that was like convulsion and like Wait, zombie. the Nevermore, the what? You're not talking about the girl who dances No, I mean, that, that was something too. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> I can't believe we haven't really. <laughs> that does seem like when somebody would watch the bedroom window, the oh, Crispin Glover dances mm-hmm. funny in front of. You think yeah. that would be what this is like? Oh, the weird scene yeah. where the girl dances around the the frat boys. <laughs> no, there's just a slow pan through the first scene and the establishing shot of Nevermore, and there's you know it's '80s dancing for sure, but there's one guy that's just like convulsing and like I don't know if he's like what he's doing like Devo some kind of Devo thing or something well the way those are lit like um, I think I looked up in 86 is when the Michelob ads the night is for Michelob oh yeah and those are just like steeped in neon I was thinking even like it's funny how Neo Noir has like the words for neon it's like oh neon <laughs> but like uh, oh yeah Neo Noir neon war yeah because uh, in neo-noir movies, it's all neon everywhere. Yeah. Um, but especially then those Michelob ads that were coming in the late 80s. There's a Rolling Stone interview with uh, Stanley Kubrick where he's like, those Michelob ads are genius. And I looked into who made them and uh, read about this guy who's in advertising and stuff. And uh, in his biography, he's like, Stanley Kubrick and a copy of Rolling Stone said his work was brilliant. <laughs> oh. But I have watched those Michelob ads. They I are very, like, out. the atmosphere is oh. dope. Okay. You know, it's like Eric Clapton. Like, oh, that's right. Like, yeah, like, it's in the way that you use it, or what are they? Stuff use? like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah, I got to get into those, Because in that too. Neil Young commercial, our video made fun of it. Do you remember uh, this notes for you? No. Oh, it's good. It's like Neil Young being like all these people who are doing these Michelob ads suck. <laughs> this is like a spoof video of uh, uh. Spuds McKenzie. <laughs> Sorry, too many tabs open. Too many no, tabs we open. we got them. Okay. I mean, hell, I don't have much else to say about this movie. Yeah, let me see what I'm else. I'm glad I, I watched it. I don't know where to file it. Um, I think it goes in a very special and smallly assembled group of movies. I, I mean, would you, would you partner this with any other movies that it has its kind of similar weirdness? Because it's also not fully kitsch, so it's not like a uh, Verhoeven Showgirls or anything like that. Maybe, yeah. um, mm-hmm. what was that movie with Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas recently? <laughs> yes. It's kind of. I think that'll age into yeah, similar. slightly similar territory. I, I mean, it's kind of weird that this movie is in, um, not that it shouldn't be more problem, but when he was in that opera house or whatever. The ballet. ballet. They've gone to the ballet. (laughs) Um, And as I've said, uh, in no movie can somebody go to a ballet or an opera and not have the events of the ballet or opera metaphorically stand for what's happening. They have to do it. It's truly impossible. So in Sleeping Beauty, when Sleeping Beauty's waking up, (laughs) beauty of the movie is dying. I was like, okay. Oh my Uh, God. But um, the... uh, Godfather 3. When that whole thing thing was full of people and Gutenberg got on stage and he's covered in blood and he like goes through these giant curtains, I was like... I never knew this movie had that scale. I know. And that was kind of what, like, 
What was bewildering before was just so like oh, there was a thriller with Steve Gutenberg that Curtis Hansen made. Right. But now it's more like what you just said with the Ben Affleck thing. It's like this is a movie that had scale. Unless I think there's a 10% chance that they gorilla shot that and just told Steven Gutenberg to run on stage during a ballet and they got cameras rolling and, and they got like, what they needed and got out of there. There he was like, that's Steve Gutenberg. Yeah, I think he killed somebody. Oh my God. Um, but the, um, well to, yeah, well, you're like, where does this movie like fit? I was you know, Normally, you're the adventurous one. What do you mean? Well, you'll pick movies that you haven't necessarily seen oh, yeah. for the podcast. A lot of times, I'll pick ones that I've seen. Have you seen this? I'd never seen oh, this. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. So oh, this was like you. one of those things of like, I was always curious to see it. Yeah. Finally got a good reason to see it. I watched it. And it was like, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like an interesting It didn't like journey. reward your, it didn't, it didn't punish or reward. So yes. the verdict's still out on whether you're going to continue to. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I know when you do that, when you take that risk, you want to be rewarded because I'd say more often than not, you're probably not rewarded, you know, especially with something like that. Uh, I had a friend, uh, Oh, Neil Campbell told me he watched Last of the Mohicans. Oh. And he was like, you're like, wow, a Michael Mann movie starring Daniel Day-Lewis. And then when you watch it, you go, oh, there's a reason this isn't talked about all the time. Like, it has oh. all the trappings of, like, people should be talking about this movie forever. Oh, my God, that Michael Mann movie with Daniel Day-Lewis. But then you see it, you're kind of like, okay, it just didn't. Is that right? I remember being good, but I haven't seen it in a oh, long time. Oh, he wasn't saying it was bad. It's it just was just not, like. Yeah, it should be le- There's an something that, why it's not an all-timer. And right. Yeah, yeah. Not to say that Bedroom Window should have been an all-timer or anything, but it's just. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, Oh, just want to make sure we mentioned Dino De Laurentiis. He right. Because our man, he, he pops up here and there. You know, that's the fingerprint on this film. I think you feel the most. Yes, And that's probably is. why it's weird. And why it would have scale. Yeah. Like why it could be big budgeted. Because we yeah. were always like, Dino De Laurentiis is like Roger Corman with m- more money. With, with like <sighs> yeah. European financiers or something. I love that story. It's in Brantley's notes about De Laurentiis basically forced this Italian director of photography on Curtis Hansen. But he either quit or Curtis Hansen. Oh, and he didn't speak English. So they had to have an Italian crew to work with him. But then the DP either left or was fired, and then they were stuck with this Italian crew that they couldn't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> the Tower of uh, well, Tower of Babel situation there. Yeah. Um, when I said the Gutenberg Babel, well, the Gutenberg Babel, the Gutenberg Press Babel. Yeah. Uh, when uh, I just remembered uh, that in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, they described the filmmaking for Italian movies is like a Tower of Babel thing because it's mm. different people speaking different languages. And it did remind me when I watched this, um, it's in, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, when the attack happens at the end, the music that's playing is the, don't you babe, you just keep me hanging on. Oh, it is. Um, that's the song that's playing in the bar in uh, this, not to say that they were, it was inspiration, but she goes over and she like grabs and twists his balls well, that song oh, hits, yeah. and it's like, but if I'm not, it's not a dog munching on his balls, but it's pretty. Close. <laughs> That's right. It's not the like recording we're used to, right? It's one of those cheap versions where it's yeah, they pay for the publishing, but not the performance, and then they re-record yeah. it. But if I'm remembering Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's not the original. Oh, it it's is not? a cover, but it's like a 
cool cover. Yeah, cool cover. This Where is this made for the movie. Yeah, a satellite. work for hire. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was the only song I recognized in this movie. And there were other songs. I know. And they felt like written for the movie in the same way that Frank Stallone writes for his brother's movies. I know. When that identifiable song popped up in the bar, it made me realize, like, wow, this has been really just uh, sound alikes yeah. the whole yeah, time. Yeah, and whatever. that score is so, I call it sexy. Yeah. It's telling I, you it's music, sexy, but it isn't. I wanted just a couple more at the beginning. If they had just done some stylistic De Palma-y, Hitchcock-y flourishes yeah. of like, you don't necessarily have to have a camera swoop down like that, but we're going to do it at the beginning just to show you we're like, got pyrotechnics or something, you know? Yeah. Like, that, uh, those remind me though, I love it, like voyeur movies, how when people look through a window, it's always just the most perfect framing composition. Like what person ever stands exactly in the middle of a window. And <laughs> um, Did you, did yours have the studio canal? Yes. That blue sky animated opening. That was, I've never seen that before. That was, well, weird. it got me ready for some fucking weirdness. <laughs> The thing is true logo the, loco. Yeah. Logo crazy. It started, I was like, God, what is this? Yeah. Cool it. And yeah. then what do you want me to feel right now? That's like what I felt when I was watching that logo. And then the movie started, the whole movie, I was like, well, what do you want me to feel? It's like, was it strategic where there's, you're supposed to feel that this is so bad that the movie's <laughs> got to be better than anything that follows this has got to be good. That's actually would be smart. Somebody yeah. uh, banging pots like, and yeah. pans. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking. As soon as somebody, you know, spoof movies are dead right now. They're not going to be here for a while, if ever again. Mm, but think? I'd love it. But if um, if a spoof movie opened, like, pre-studio logo, you know how, like, um, what was the, uh, Ben Stiller, Tropic Thunder, had those trailers before the oh, yeah. studio logo, so you got genuinely kind of tricked for a moment. Right. Um, as soon as somebody spoofs the Nicole Kidman AMC intro, yeah, imagine how people are gonna go fucking bananas in the theater. All right, <laughs> you right. saw like a yeah. slob. I was like, AMC is good. And he sits down and like rips a fart in the seat. You feel like this is the funniest movie. In the world. <laughs> okay, no, Maybe that's, that's true. not right. Wait, is there a is there an erotic thriller spoof movie? There is, isn't it? What is it? Uh, Fatal Instinct by Carl Reiner. Ooh, should should we add that on scary movie style at some point okay. to the season? You yeah, know? like we need. Uh, I'm not saying we should. I don't know. But Loaded maybe. Weapon One is more of a spoof of like Lethal Weapon. Yeah, but because it came out during those movies, there's a lot of spoofs. That's right. Those. That's right. <laughs> I didn't see it, but Kristen Bell was in a Netflix movie that people uh, said. It was like the girl looking out the window. In the, oh, yes. Um, it's a spoof of all the girl movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and those are spoofs of I didn't see that either. Of yeah, I saw the trailer. It didn't quite grab me. Anybody who I talked to who saw it always spoke really highly really? of it and went out of their way because I think they know I like spoof movies. They're like, you should watch it. I think you like oh. it. I, I never did. Um, I have watched Hot Sharts. Part do hot shirts, hot shirts, <laughs> <laughs> hot shots, shart do would have been good, <laughs> especially with the number two. Um, oh, that might have been the most again weird 
the weirdest police lineup scene I've ever oh, seen. Yeah, yeah. It looks like they were in Outland. They came into these weird wow. suits with like weird sci-fi lighting and stuff. Paul, this is like the 40th time Outland has come up and I can't stop. I have to believe it's divine providence at this point. <laughs> providence. That we we have to watch that. Movie. Yeah. Uh, maybe that could be a way to kick in the new year. Yeah. Outland 2024. Oh my God. <laughs> Sounds great. Sounds great. Um, we could do junk, like sci-fi horror to open the new year. That's good. Yeah. If, we, if we're still going to do the Hannibal for Hannibal, Hannibal holidays. holidays. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Hannibals. <laughs> holidays. Um, the, uh, would you say it's a yuppie trope? The guy who draws a cool old car? Mm. Yeah, mm. I, I do think that is. I yeah. think the most yuppie thing about this movie, yuppie nightmare things, is its class distinctions. It yeah, seemed to me that the, was the... The fashions, the the digs where they live, the car that yeah. he drives. Yeah. And then the who's yuppie, who's not kind of thing. Right. Like yeah, sometimes she's so low class, but <laughs> wasn't really. Uh, the uh, I also... It did feel like um, a contemporary, like... The thing that, you know, it felt like throwback in kind of a Hitchcock way, but the thing that felt like what I loved about it was just like how it felt like a 80s slasher movie, yeah. too. Like at the end, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, he kind of has a Michael Myers look to him. Like if Michael Myers were... Well, Michael Myers kind of has red hair, but not... Well, he sort of has a bent of like a post-serial killer. Like yeah. uh, um, he's um, like Ted Bundy now. It's yeah. like a guy who goes after attractive girls or you know yeah um the um sorry uh do you have you seen um uh, isabel hubert in other things no but i know that what was the movie she was in recently where it's like a, a rape revenge movie that was supposed to be really good yeah that verhoven did right Is yeah that right? and isn't uh-huh. it just like the a first name of a woman or something I can't remember. Yes, why am I? Yeah, I always wanted to watch that. I heard good things about it. I saw her um, in uh, this movie, uh, The Piano Teacher. Have you ever oh, seen that? It's like Michael no, Haneke. But I know of it. Yeah. It's pretty brutal. Um, it's a dark movie. But I saw it. I was thinking about. It. I saw it in college at the Bijou Theater on the University of Iowa Who campus. Pair at the Bijou. The Bijou. <laughs> The Bijou Phillips, and um, oh. it was it was represented by Phillips uh, <laughs> light bulbs. So it was called the Phillips Bijou Theater. Uh, oh my God! But the uh, uh, I was thinking I saw this movie there, and I was like, brutal. Piano teacher, yikes! Tough stuff. Is it any it, Haneke movie not brutal? Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, just yes, no. Uh, and then it's the same theater though where I saw Dancer in the Dark and Requiem for a Dream. Jeez, you really go there for some punishment, huh? But I think I was also like, was that just what art cinema was yeah. in the turn of the century? Just like I think so. Uh, I remember getting up at the end of Dancer in the Dark and walking out of the theater and looking over my shoulder, and there was a woman in her seat just like weeping, <sighs> and a guy was with her and like trying to comfort her. Oh my her. god, I've never seen that movie. I don't. Uh, it's good. Yeah, I, it's tough to, you know. We watched the other night Shutter Island. I never even you opened did? her okay. mainland. Uh, 
So it's a tick every time. Uh, but that movie is dark. It's mm. a genre movie, but I didn't remember. I remembered the twist, but I didn't remember oh. what the details of yeah. the twist were with his family. And it it was just both Isn't Amanda it weird and I though, were like, how, um, oh, no thanks, no thanks. Yeah. Oh, I, well, especially, yeah, now that... Yeah. Yeah, but the... Um, it's weird how Shutter Island, I think, came out before... Um, what's the Nolan Dream movie? I always forget the name. Uh, Memento. The Dream. The Inception. Inception. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, they came out, I think, the same year, but wow. both pivot on like DiCaprio's racked with the idea that the mom did something horrible to the kids oh yes that's right and him keep they keep going back to the memory of it and as oh, you go yeah. it, it further explains what was going on between the family but I wondered like I think Shutter Island came out first so I wondered if Christopher Nolan was watching I was like motherfucker you could have told me like <laughs> when we were doing all this stuff that's like the exact same I thing know. how funny because it's always like also seeing the kids kind of out by the backyard and yeah. stuff too and both of those but um, that's interesting yeah but the yeah the um, Ben Kingsley's mm-hmm. in it right yeah um, did you like it? What did you think? It was it too dark for just kind it of was, on a genre? Well, level, you know, I, I remember the first time I saw it, seeing the twist a mile away, and mm-hmm. not that the movie's about the twist. And this time, it didn't feel it felt less about the twist. But I remember not liking it the first time, flat mm-hmm. out not liking mm-hmm. it, which is really weird to say about a Scorsese mm-hmm. movie because you like Cape Fear so it kind of be like oh he's getting yeah. back in the yeah. zone of I doing didn't something. appreciate it this time yeah. I liked the genre part of it quite a bit but then yeah the dark part of it I f- and this was just me I just like just didn't enjoy that so mm-hmm. it kind of was a bit of a downer and then that now there's some of the dated like reliance on color timing and CG and stuff mm-hmm. like that, that mm-hmm. doesn't feel right in a Scorsese movie, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. as much as he's like abandoned all his fast camera moves and stuff for that movie. It's interesting. I, I liked it more than I saw it the first time, but I didn't enjoy it more. Mm-hmm. If that means mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you see it in the theater? No, uh-uh. I don't think so. Um, I think I just seen it. Twice. I remember I saw it in the bowl, Hollywood, not the Hollywood bowl, the dome. Oh, and uh, I more remember stepping out of the theater and hanging outside the theater talking with friends about it. That's like yeah. my memory of it. Interesting. Being like, oh. But um, you know, I'm seeing Killers of the Flower Moon tonight. You are? I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, and oh. uh, 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 I'm excited because um, <sighs> today I get to live in the zone of you. Maybe only get this maybe once or twice a year, where you're like. I'm seeing a great movie tonight. Like, uh, or, yeah, you or just whatever. I, I'm going to yeah. see something. You're going to see cinema. Yeah. Yeah. Where and I remember feeling it? that um, the day I was going to see like a serious man by the Coen brothers, oh, just yeah. like being high off the idea of like, I get to see a new Coen brothers movie. Yeah. Like, how cool is that? So that's how I'm feeling right now. With Where are you seeing it? Uh, at the Chinese. Oh, wow. Uh, 730. Oh my God. That's wonderful. Uh-huh. I, a man and I, for some reason we were thinking it came out last weekend so we got a sitter and went to buy tickets oh, and was like no. no wait it's the next weekend and then we, we can't see it this weekend so I, it's so hard to get away for it's three and a half hours long right yeah so, I know we had to like 
add extra sitter time than uh, yeah. more than normal. Of course, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know when we're going to get to see it, but I'm dying to. Yeah. Any uh, any other things out that you're? Well, yeah. For me, this same, oh, similar, this whole year because you got the Lacar. Yeah, the John Lacare, yeah, the Pigeon Le Tunnel. That's kind of like yeah. what you're saying. Like once or twice a year, not yeah. even a year, you get something that is so. Errol Morris and John Le Carre. That's good. Fuck. Yeah, that's good. And I think they're, if I'm probably predicting, but I wouldn't be surprised they're going to, you know, play mind games with each yeah. other. Did you see the Errol Morris documentary about the CIA, the, um, oh, the acid experiments M- and stuff? MK Ultra. Yeah. Started it, but for some reason I don't know why I didn't finish it. Yeah. I, I finished it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. It was, um, I liked all the the subject matter and the yeah, mood. Yeah, I of, should give that another go. Yeah, um, but it is funny. It is like a political spy kind of th- espionage type movie. Yeah, but also you could just boil down to the horror of if your friends dosed you and didn't tell you. I know. I know. <laughs> like, it's also just it's that. one or the other. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, the uh, last a thing here the oh loved the arcade cabinets in the bar the there was a super mario brothers and a ms pac-man yeah um the that must have been like right when super mario came i know because i was like that's when nintendo was like hitting the scene um and so i was like so super mario brothers i guess was enough of an arcade favorite yeah, but, I guess I was in junior high when we would go to a liquor store and play that cabinet game. What What was your arcade game growing up? From well, Dragon's Lair went, but that was like the premium, mm-hmm. you know, two quarters, and it wasn't everywhere. So mm-hmm. when I could get it and when I could afford it, Dragon's Lair, which was not often, but um, pro- probably junior donkey donkey kong jr and then super mario brothers were mm-hmm. the ones i kind of really dug into and then there really was pac-man fever i know there's a song called Pac-Man yeah. fever but there really was so everybody played pac-man but i wasn't particularly good at it my sister mm. was really good at miss pac-man yeah i love i way prefer Ms. yeah pac-man me too to pac-man and i i've become obsessed with miss pac-man a yeah. couple times in my life where yeah. there's a cabinet somewhere and i go and i play it and i just yeah, really get to zone out, having fun playing Pac-Man. There were later games that I really got into. One called Rolling Thunder. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? And it was kind of like a, almost like a Japanese anime spy mm-hmm. action, like scrolling. Based on the shooting. children's book, Rolling Thunder, Hear My Cry. <laughs> <laughs> what about? Were there any others that? Uh, I really liked Ms. Pac-Man. I was a pinball kid were you really yeah oh like wow pinball games oh pinball wow machines uh and uh i really like racing games oh and so i've gone back now pulled out the old ps4 i've been playing need for speed oh recently. my god oh wow how fun um because uh been introducing mary to fun video games oh that's we've, cool we've been having fun uh she got to play uh on the the rebel, uh, what's the opposite of the Rebel Alliance? We play a Star Wars game, and she always chooses to be on the bad guy team. The Empire? Yeah. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> yeah, Empire. Sorry, <laughs> but I don't know why you'd want to do that because when you're on the Rebel side, you get to shoot at the AT-ATs and oh, stuff yeah. and blow them up. When yeah. you're a bad guy, you don't get to blow them up, which is like 
what's the fun of that? Yeah, really. Protecting that's the whole one point. of them. That's the whole point. I'm realizing uh, all my favorite games were kind of like secret agent oriented, of course, because there was another one called it, Elevator Action. Do you remember that one? No, but wasn't there one called Spy Hunter? Spy Hunter was a yeah. car game. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But, but that what was Elevator the Action. Peter Gunn. Spy Hunter was pretty fun. Yeah. Elevator Action was just <laughs> a dude with a gun jumping from elevator to elevator. It was an early game and it, like, you know, slightly dodgy graphics, but pretty cool. <laughs> Loved Rampage. I like the video arcade game Rampage where you. Oh, yeah. Rampage. Was, ah, yeah. Because I, I loved Rampage. how they looked cartoony. The whole thing kind of looked like you felt like yeah. you were playing a cartoon, yeah. which was cool. And then the just absolute saddest. I don't know what my brain does, but the image and sound of a arcade King Kong grabbing, crunching through a building and making that. I know. And then grabbing somebody and putting it in your mouth and yeah. chewing them. Yeah. That game, I played that recently at Barcade in Highland Park. Oh, fun. There's a retro bar in Arcade and they have, we, I think three of us played, which was fun to play that with people again. Yeah. And Gauntlet yeah, you was can... that way too. Do you remember Gauntlet? Yes. Wizard is about to die. Too bad Gauntlet wasn't based food. on the Badly. Clint Eastwood movie. The Gauntlet. Oh, with Tyne Daly? Wait, no. Who's in that? Uh, his girlfriend. Uh, what's her name? Not Sandy Dennis, but something like that. Not Fisher. Uh, sis, uh, uh. Guys, on the live stream? Uh, I can look without it up. Looking it up? Uh, I feel like I know Liana it. Denley or something. He was in a movie with Tyne Daly, too. Oh, though. he was. Yeah, it was the second, I think, um, I was going to say Harry Potter movie. Dirty <laughs> Harry movie. Dirty Harry Potter. What? Go ahead, make my Quidditch. <laughs> um, what else could Dirty Harry Potter say? The Gauntlet. Uh, I know her name. What is uh, her name? Uh, here, I'll just look it up. What are the two things Dirty Harry says? Go ahead, Sandra make my day. Locke. Sa- Sandra Locke. Tell me, do you feel lucky, punk? Yeah. Well, tell me, tell me, punk. do you feel Quidditch, punk? <laughs> well. Do Quidditch! <laughs> well, uh, do Quidditch. The last note I have is um, if this whole movie was kind of a little confused about I don't see any sexual erotic vibe between Gutenberg and Isabel. Yeah. So when she dies um, and she's great in The Piano Teacher by the way I just wanted oh. to say because yeah, uh, but um and I, she's also great in I Heart Huckabees. Oh, but the, uh, um, and then when she dies and he starts romancing Gutenberg and there's a part where she comes in the room and he's like, got his hairy chest out and she's like, ooh, come yeah. to the bedroom, mister. Yeah. Um, like, I thought it was telling at the end in the last shot of the two of them together after like crisis has been taken care of and whatever they've had a victory it he just like put his arm around her and she kind of like nestled up to him and it was almost like they cut out before a kiss happened because yeah. and I thought about him like yeah that's not you know she leaves him the next day. Yeah. And she, also she needed like, to get through this. Understandable. You they could do that in another up. movie where yeah. it was like <coughs> erotic. Or Jeff but this Bridges. this movie's so not no. sexy. Like you That's wouldn't want to see people kiss at the end. You're like, yes, just hug. It's overlit. It's overwrought. And it's over weird. Hi, I'm Matt Gorley. <laughs> and these are my thematically linked three word reviews. My O-W's. Yeah. yeah. My over W's. <sighs> 
Um, but I'm glad I took the risk. I was always eventually going to watch Yuppie Nightmares. Oh, me too. Y- Nightmare I would have chosen it eventually. This probably would have been in my season three of Yuppie Nightmares, <laughs> which, you know, God willing will happen. God willing. There's only two baby xenomorphs okay. to read. Okay. So this is just... Um, uh, so, so, oh, Southern Lawyer defending H.R. Giga. Oh, look at my little client. What's your name, son? My name H.R. Giga, but wish my name could be Megan Seawald. Oh, but to to her husband, Brian Shepanick. Hey, Southern Lawyer. Yeah? Um, uh, did you go to law school with the lawyer from... Uh, the bedroom window. I sure did. I also went to law school with that guy from The Princess Bride who says inconsiderable. <laughs> and finally, uh, oh, it's me again. <laughs> I wasn't done. Mr. Drew Jensen, tell me, if I walk back 22 yards at the back of this courtroom and hold up this microscopic piece of th- something, what is it? You can't see it? Oh, are you short-sighted? Oh, it's a red book. <laughs> it's a book. It's a book. You open and flip the pages. Oh, there goes my case. I unrest my case. Wake up, case. <laughs> Wake up, case. <laughs> all right. What do we want? Guys, to what ra- did you think? Uh, all right. Yes. We got to rate it still. We got to rate this movie. That's right. That's right. We gave uh, after hours. Both oh, of us. Best kill. Oh, right. Well, who is it? Just Isabelle Huppert? Yeah. Is that the only one you see? That was a good oh, one. Oh, no. And he, oh, the, that's, the bad guy doesn't even die in yeah. this. Yeah. That's interesting. Wow. Huh. That's, what would have been a fitting end for him? It's just a car accident. I guess if he blew through the windshield and then. I think, yeah, a very public death. Because yeah. his whole thing was like, he doesn't like. Seeing people in public kiss and touch each other. Yeah. So it's like, oh, you don't like things out in public. What about your death? What yeah. about your brains smashed against the street? You purr. He flies through the windshield and his genitals are eviscerated by a like tree branch or something. <laughs> yeah. There, there you go. Yeah. Curtis Hansen. There um, you go. Because he, um, oh, I think about that. He was basically, it was like a Norman Bates thing. He yeah. lived in the house right. with his mom. And his dad. You see his dad at some point. Ooh. Too. Scary. Yeah, very scary. Um, we gave After Hours 12 out of 13. What's the bedroom window to you? I'll give this a seven and a half. 7.5. Um, I'll give it... So 7.5, that's... I'll, I'll do 6.5. I'll give it a halfway to, nice. to 13. Yeah. Yeah, the, I think the question that will always be on my mind for the rest of the time will be... Could the movie have been better? Yes. If it had been differently cast, or for sure, is that just the main thing I noticed, and everything else is kind of not quite there? Like, yeah. are there script problems that would have been there even if it had been Jeff Daniels? Yeah, it's really rare for me to go away from a movie going, I think I'm absolutely unchanged by this movie. It didn't. Mm-hmm. I wasn't upset for having watched it, mm-hmm. but I wasn't glad for having watched mm-hmm. it. I was just having watched it. And I was left a little confused by it. That's the thing I took away from it is slight confusion of, but interesting. I, I'll, I'll never regret it. I, I'm, yeah, I'm I know. It was just a confusing, weird experience that didn't at really any point 
emotionally. No, yeah, I think the only time I felt real kind of an emotional thing happen was during the witness stand scene. With, yeah. Because I started going, in my mind, I was like, well, I like Wallace Shawn kind of tried to get to the bottom of this. Ooh, but I don't know if I want him to get to the bottom yeah. of this. Like having some right. sort of like pull, like yeah. whatever the psycho thing of like somebody's acting bad and you kind of want them to get away with it, but you also want somebody to catch them. Right. That's like I felt that in that moment. But other than that, I really didn't ever feel any kind of anything. Well, hopefully that's not the case for next week. Bad influence, which is from what year? 89, I so believe. Curtis Hansen's got two years to kind of hone his chops. Mm-hmm. And, and I've, I have seen Bad Influence. I have not. And I remember liking it quite a bit. So. Okay. Well, I'm very But we'll excited. see. I could have egg on my face. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, what would have been a food from this movie that I could have said instead of egg that would have been funny? Uh, or any kind of thing. White on wine on your yeah. face. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. I could have had white wine Fine on my French face. French white wine, yeah. Um. What happened to the husband? He just yeah they, they yeah. I hope he gets well. He got justice. The guy who killed his wife is gonna get caught in the hospital and goes to jail. Awkward time around the office though. The Ooh, next day, huh? Yeah. yeah, I know you didn't kill my wife, but you were around when she did, and you were having yeah. sex. With her. Well, Maddie. Um, All right. Uh, hey, hopefully you guys next for this next week aren't bad influences. We'll see. Naughties. Bye-bye. Bye. For more Gorley and Rust content, head over to patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early, plus monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. That's patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust. Email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. With Gorley and Rust theme song by me, Matt Wood, and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band, as well as Paul's fantastic band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Gorley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Candy. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Manny's and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.